The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today um, is going to be a treat. <laughs> Uh, I always, actually, I tend to always say that when I'm, when I'm not going to be talking to you about terrorism or some other kind of scary thing, today isn't scary at all. In fact, it's um, an honor to be talking with my guest today, George Green. He, and I think that the, the theme um, of the show is going to be one of his, the title of one of his books, one of his adult books. He's written 15 books, 12 for children and 3 for adults. And one of them is called Out of the Spotlight. And, of course, in Hollywood, <laughs> that, is, um, that is an important issue for anyone who's been in the spotlight. Of course, it doesn't just have to be Hollywood. It could be sports. It could be politics. But certainly in Hollywood, this is, um, you know, you read, actually, uh, very often or hear on the you know, radio or on television about child stars, for example, who... Uh, were in the spotlight very young, thought their whole life was going to be like that, and then uh, found themselves out of the spotlight and get into drugs and alcohol, and, and um, their life just goes to pieces. And um, this is the antidote to that. <laughs> George Green is the antidote to that. And he is not, it's not only something that he wrote about, and it's a book that he where he interviewed uh, a lot of people who were in the spotlight in one way or another, 45 interviews. But he himself is a a prime example of what to do when you're out of the spotlight, how to reinvent yourself, which he has done a whole bunch of times. So, George, without uh, without further ado, without my uh, going on and talking about all the different ways you reinvented yourself, um, why don't we start... Uh, from the beginning, and then you can take us through uh, being in the spotlight when you felt you were out of the spotlight and all the amazing things that you have done since. And I guess it could be questioned, really, whether you're out of the spotlight even now uh, with all of the things that you're doing. So take us to, take us to when little Georgie was born. <laughs> well, hello, you all, and hello, Carol. And it was a wonderful introduction. Uh, let me get into... Some of the, I think, some of the pertinent facts about not only me, about but so many other people who have gone through what I have gone through. First of all, I was born in New York City, and I went to high school out here in Los Angeles. And I was in the gymnastics, and I went to <clears throat> went into the service, <clears throat> but. <clears throat> 
after high school, I went on the road with Spike Jones and his musical depreciation review of 1949. So you can tell that if I graduated high school in 49, who is this old guy? Well, I'm 86, but in those days, I was 18, went on the road with Spike just as a flunky, uh, and um, visited uh, oh, six months of uh, Midwest towns, and then went back to uh, UCLA. Uh, but before that, I served some time as a, a manager of talent, uh, just as I was in the Air Force, uh, and I was stationed in Germany managing talent, and, and got out of that, and went to UCLA, graduated UCLA. I was going to be a school teacher, fourth grade elementary school. Uh, that was my major at, uh, at UCLA is education. And uh, while I was uh, doing my uh, student teaching at University Elementary School, I became a page at NBC in Hollywood. My father was a barber working off up, up in Hollywood, and NBC was across the street. Oh. And so I went to work as a, as a page, uh, and then from there I kind of liked I liked the broadcast business, and I started, I was selling things when I was 10 years older, newspapers on the corner, peanuts and popcorn at the Coliseum, but I loved sales, and so I decided to get into broadcasting sales, which I did. I was very fortunate in um, going to Palm Springs for my first job. I was selling uh, 60-second spots for a dollar in Palm Springs. Uh, where I do have a home now. And then I uh, went back to Los Angeles and got a, a lucky job at KABC Television. I spent a year in television, and then I tell people I got promoted to radio. Mm -hmm. And I started a career at KABC, and that career lasted 38 years. So I five years as a salesman, 14 years as a general sales manager, and then I lucked out in 1979 and became the manager of a great radio station, which uh, I had the privilege of working with some wonderful talent. I had the privilege of uh, bringing the Los Angeles Dodgers on the KABC radio and working with Peter O'Malley and going to Vero Beach uh, every year as the guest of uh, Peter O'Malley uh, for one week in Vero Beach with the Dodgers. And the Dodgers became my life. Baseball, I was at a ball game three days a week, and I have a pillow at home, which is kind of interesting. The pillow says, this marriage interrupted by baseball. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, it was, uh, I had a wonderful marriage of 42 years. She passed away uh, in 2006, and I was very fortunate to meet another person who I've been living with for 11 years. I'm a very happy uh, retired person, uh, and when um, I started writing books, because the first book called Out of Spotlight, which is what you want me to focus on, Interesting enough, when you when you have the kind of spotlight that I had, because I was I had a million listeners, really two million over a month, uh, one month period, and it was up to me to write editorials for two million people, and three times a week, whatever was in my head, whatever I wanted to say. Wow. It's, I go into a studio and I talk to people, and so suddenly George Green's name was 
you know, I was kind of taken in by my own publicity, so to speak. Uh-huh. I did have a spotlight, and it was rather bright on me. And then I went through several management changes, and then the Walt Disney Company came along in 1995. And a year later, they said, goodbye, George, we have our own people coming in. Uh-huh. And the radio station had done very well, and we were number one, two, or three in the market. Nevertheless, they wanted my own people, and then I was out. And suddenly I looked back as I walked away from the radio station. I said, I can't believe this is over, and they're telling me that I'm fired. Uh, You know, I had uh, my name, my whole identification, my whole life was wrapped up in in a radio station in the broadcasting career, and now suddenly it's gone. And well, so the problem of reinventing yourself is where, where it really is at. I could easily have looked back at what I was and what I did and what I accomplished, or I could look straight ahead. And obviously the only path is forward, not backwards, because you, yesterday was history, and, you know, uh, and tomorrow's a mystery and today's a gift. It's a present, uh, and um, it's a gift. As you've, you've, uh, I'm sure you've told so many of your own readers of your own books, etc. So my life, I had to find my own self, and it took, and psychologically, that was really hard. Is is not looking back at what was, but looking ahead, and I found that I could do lots of things. So I started a talent management company, and I was privileged to manage a lot of the same talent that I had on the air. And then from that was another career that uh, <clears throat> that I enjoyed for many years and, and uh, managed people like Larry Elder, who is one of my one of my clients, and Ken Minyard and and Kelly Lang, who was part of uh, Ladybirds on on radio station, and Dennis Prager, who is on the Salem Radio Network, was one of my star people who's still on. And he interviewed me on his network show, and I cried because he was so grateful for having the opportunity to do what he did. So my life has been full of of, uh, wonderful challenges, and uh, again, I... uh, I decided to take some of some of what I've learned about reinventing myself and I said, you know what? There must be other people out there who uh have lost their their spotlight. People like Ed Ames, Pat Boone, Abby Lane, Artie Johnson, uh who you know from his great line very interesting but stupid from Laughing. And Catherine Ross, I'm just going down kind of a table of contents. Monty Hall, let's make a deal for charity. And so there's 55 people, including sports people like Tommy Lasorda or, or Steve Garvey or Mitch Kupchak of the Lakers. Uh, there are dozens of sports personalities, and I've, all of these people have gone through situations where they were no longer in the spotlight and it talks about how they reinvented themselves. So to, to just stop talking and let you ask some questions, <laughs> it's really been a journey uh, that is not over yet. Well, well let's, um, yes, before we go on to all these other things that you've done, um, if we could go back, to, I mean, that must have been, you were there for 38 years, the last 17 is president and general manager of KABC, 
Mm-hmm. And you, you had devoted your life to them. I mean, it wasn't a job. You were, in all those years, all the blood, sweat, and tears that you devoted, you know, it's not like, it's not like someone, uh, I don't know, having some kind of a job and working for five years in a company that they're not really, you know, they don't really care that much about, and then they get fired or asked to leave to, so that they could bring in the other person's team. Um, but, you know, it must have been, it must have been, it must have, you must have been very angry, you must have been uh, heartbroken. How did you, before you got into these, all these other things that we're going to talk about, how did you cope with that? Well, I think you uh, put your finger on the, that word anger. And there is anger because you, you, why did they let me go? I mean, I was, I had this great career. I had, uh, the, the company was making uh, many, many millions of dollars. Uh, n- not to be determined at this point, but to, to, uh, to tell you we were very successful. And I was angry at ABC. I was angry at uh, Walt Disney Company. How dare they interrupt my life? So I was angry. Uh, I had a, I was married at the time. And darn near, uh, darn near went up to the line with my late wife, uh, and we were, I was starting to blame things on her. It was so easy to mm. point the finger at somebody you love the most. And so I was not the most pleasant person to live with at that time because I was full of these anxieties and, and, and emotional feelings of being hurt and, uh, and being embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But then I realized, you know what, I, I, this can't go on like this because uh, I've got a whole life in front of me. I'm still young enough and creative enough and healthy enough. And boy, that word health becomes more important than ever because my mother and father, health is wealth, George. Stay healthy and God has been good to me. I am healthy. And I said, I'm going forward. I'm not going backwards. I'm not going to look at uh, what was. And the most important thing is I've got to get used to the fact that everybody, no matter who you are, has their own spotlight. My father was a barber in Hollywood. He was the best barber of all. And he had his own success story as a barber. He had his own spotlight. No matter what you are, whether you're an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher, we all have our own spotlights. And when that spotlight goes out, you can't. You you have to get used to a different kind of spotlight, and that was the the job that I had to do. Is when that spotlight dimmed on George Green, I had to get used to being happy within that spotlight and not looking back at that bright bright spotlight that was, because I know as I mature that that spotlight is going to keep dimming when one day it's going to go out, as it will for all of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yes, let me, let me just um, tell my listeners here, in case, you know, in case, certainly in L.A., and, um, and actually KABC was uh, the power of KABC, I mean, the, the Watts. Um, what, uh, what, how much land, what, uh, did, was that national, or I don't remember what, what that covered? Well, <clears throat> KABC at first, <clears throat> it was a, a 5,000-watt station to cover just Southern California. 
And then at one time, we were the flagship for the talk radio network, which uh, we programmed all our programming all clear back to all over the country. We had about 250 radio stations that were carrying our programming for a short while, while my uh, late, late, uh, my ex-boss, Ben Hoberman, who has passed away now, he was president of the company at the time, and he was responsible for, for that particular network. But talk radio, we were the first all-talk station in the country, even though uh, KMOX in St. Louis claims they were. Well, they did have some talk programming, but they were a 24-hour talk. And we became that first all-talk station in America in 1960. Yes, well, you know... um by the I mean, way, you were interviewed, as I remember, by Michael Jackson, were you not? I was on your station lots of times. <laughs> uh, Michael, and I uh, can Michael see Jack- why, by the way, after <clears throat> reading all that you've done in your life and what you've coped with and all the books and, and the kind of psychiatrist that you are and uh, the kind of person that has been honored by the <clears throat> National Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences, and all the Emmys that you've won. And, you know, I mean, you've had a wonderful career, and I wish that I was around to interview you for another program. <laughs> well, oh, and there's the music. This is, it's a, it came at a good time. We do need to take a break. Oh, I know what that's all about. That means you have to tell people what to buy. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, well, actually, actually, I'm glad you said that um, because, because I am going to be telling people about all your books, uh, other books as well. But I uh, might as well give them at this point the website, your website, so that they can uh, look along. Really, the key it. is the d- www.georgegreen.net. Yeah. And if you get to that website, you will see all 15 of my books. And the ones that I love the most, um, not only Spotlight. Well, wait, wait, wait. We'll get to that when we have to the break. <laughs> when, we get, when we come back, I forgot we'll hear about which that. ones George Green likes the most. Um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, so stay tuned. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here today with George Green. He is uh, an author of three adult books, 12 children's books, um, the former president and general manager of KABC Talk Radio, um, and lots of other things. He, after that, well, well, you can talk about that later, but uh, about how he went into acting after he left radio, um, he, you know, he, he took acting lessons for a year and then got parts in movies and television shows, um, and then he's won all kinds of awards, and then, uh, and then he really got into his love of writing. You know, when you wrote um, the book Out of the Spotlight, did you, how long after you left KABC did you sit down to write that book? Oh, I think about uh, four or five years. I left KBC in 1996. I think I wrote this in 2000, early early 2000. Uh, I I don't recall at this moment, but um, it was one of those things that I was thinking about my life, uh, and I thought about how I had reinvented myself to do other things. and you really made me smile a little bit happily, I must say, when you're talking about my acting career, um, because that was <laughs> that was interesting because I had always been uh, a part of the advertising business. We had these funny Broadway shows um, uh, that we did, and I was a singer and a dancer and an actor in 12 of these shows that we would perform in front of, oh, maybe 400 people. And I decided that I was going to, uh, I wanted to be an actor. So I went to the Beverly Hills Playhouse and studied acting. And I was 65 years old at the time. And I remember the head of the teacher said, oh, George, you know, you're going to have a lot of jobs at your age. You could play, be a father or a grandfather, you know, because all his students, there was about yeah. 75 young, 18 to 34, sitting there looking up at this 65-year-old guy sitting in a chair. And so he said, you're going to get lots of parts. So I, I went out in auditions, you know, like about, 15 of them, I walk into the casting office, and everybody sitting there looked exactly like me. <laughs> so, huh. I couldn't get any jobs there. I said, well, you know what? I have enough of my own contacts. So I went to an advertising agency that I uh, knew really well, and I did some commercials for them. Then I remember I'd hired Rod Lurie, uh, who is a pretty famous guy at that time, and I had hired him to do a weekend movie show, so I called Rod, 
And I said, Rod, how about me? Uh, you know, I'm a mm-hmm. uh, SAG. I'm not a SAG actor, but I, I studied the Playhouse. He said, well, fine, we're going to put you in a movie with Resurrecting the Champ with Samuel Jackson. And you're going to be Samuel Jackson's manager in this movie, mm. and we'll shoot you, we'll, we'll do this uh, shoot in Canada, and then they ended up in Denver. Well, to make a long story short, I did Resurrecting the Champ and uh, with Samuel Jackson, and... Um, it was fun. Did a movie and uh, went to the screening and found out that they had cut most of me. Oh, <laughs> uh, they needed the time. Mm-hmm. But um, I've had a wonderful life doing different things, acting or or semi-retired, writing books, writing children's books, well, then, writing okay. adult books, writing well, love would, books. Would you say writing that... Writing um, philosophical books. Just uh, I found out... Um, and I and I'll I'll end in my little portion here, and then ask me a question. Yeah, sure. But I found out, you know, I was a manager my whole life, and I had never been a talent. I had represented talent my whole life, and now here's the first time I was the talent because it was my writing. And when I started writing, I remembered what Kelly Lang had told me because she had written five books. I said, Kelly, how do you write the, all this stuff, all these mystery books? And she said, George, sometimes I don't know where my books are going because the, the, the words mm-hmm. come trippingly off, my, off from my head onto the computer. And I found that was true when I was writing uh, all my children's books and when I was interviewing 55 different major personalities in every walk of life. The, the questions came real easy to me, asking them what they did and asking the right questions and preparing for the interviews. I was fascinated with their lives, and I was intrigued with the fact that we all, all 55 of us, when were going through the same kind of anger, uh-huh. the same kind of not looking back, the same kind of advice coming out of everybody is you can't look back, you've got to look ahead, you can't look at what was. And and if you ask me the question down the road, who is one of the most famous people that you interviewed, you like their advice, I'll tell you. Yeah, okay. Well, I, okay, I will. Let me just, <laughs> I just want to go back, you know, because what's so interesting to me as a psychiatrist is how your life has unfolded um, from, you know, I guess this turning point, right, in 96 when you left KABC to... Um, to do things that really relate to that, I mean, ob- the obvious one, out of the spotlight, the book, but even before that, um, you were kind of, you were trying to recapture the spotlight in a different way by going to these acting classes, by deciding to be an actor. That was getting a different, slightly different kind of spotlight. There's no question about it. Everything I've ever tried to do, um, I think the journey, whether or not you're a successful actor and then you become a big one or not, uh, I think people have to get used to the fact that it may never, ever be the same kind of spotlight, but you must enjoy the journey, and you've heard that so many times, is the journey of going to, to classes and doing interviews, I mean doing auditions, going through that process, and also doing acts with all these young people uh, getting ready for auditions. All that is experiences in life that so many people, they don't have that kind of experience. They have others. Mm-hmm. And I've loved every day of my life. I'm not sorry about anything I've ever done. 
I have a, a great appreciation for being alive, being well, and there's not a day that goes by in my life that I say, you know, today is today, and I'm so happy today. Mm-hmm. Well, to ca- continue this sort of theme of uh, out of the spotlight, the books that you've written, the, the children's books, reflect the same thing of reinventing these animals in your children's books, but they are essentially reinventing themselves. Fluky, the fish who wouldn't be caught. Uh, well, that's, that's a slightly different one. He teaches, that, um, teaches other fish how not to be caught, and then there's someone who, one fish who doesn't want to li- Well, let me, let's know the best example. Let me go to the other ones, which are kind of more, they're more like the other ones, which are Kathy, the cow who couldn't moo or Charlie the Caterpillar who couldn't wait to be a butterfly, or Harry the Horse with no hope, Perky the Pig who didn't like being dirty. Um, These are all Fluffy the Cat who couldn't meow, especially the ones where they don't have a voice. Do you notice that you did a lot of of animals who didn't have a voice? The cat who couldn't meow, the dog who couldn't bark, the the bird who couldn't fly, which is sort of similar. the you know and and really unconsciously I mean the, you, you the moral in all of these stories are um, that if if the animal can't do what one expects them to do or what they used to do or um, what animals like them typically do then they find some other uh, special talent the the laughing to- Toby the laughing hyena who lost his sense of humor. Uh, Zuki, the that was the most fun book of all. What? That, that, that book was the most fun, fun, fun book of all because they have all these jokes uh, uh, back, back of the book. And by the way, uh, I don't want to forget this for your audience. Yes, you yes. Are the, uh, I've been interviewed a lot in the last 20 years. Of all the interviews I've ever had, you are the most prepared person that I have ever had the pleasure to be interviewed by. I wow. can't believe how well read and how you prepared uh, for, for, for this, this moment with me. And I thank you for that because it's such a pleasure having, having the privilege of talking to somebody who is so smart and smart enough to know the questions to ask, the right questions. And I appreciate that a lot. Well, you're very welcome, and uh, you have long been a hero of mine, as I was telling you off the air. Um, so that's a very, very, I appreciate the compliment very much. So did you, I mean, is this something that you've thought about yourself, especially how, um, I mean, of course you thought about how you gave other talents to these animals, but have you thought about like how, you know, a lot of them had, didn't have a voice, and maybe that related to how you didn't feel like you had a, literally, you didn't have a voice anymore. Well, let me answer that in a different way, because I had never thought of it that way. Um, my inspiration for writing, really, so much of it now, uh, and although you didn't ask the question, I'm going to give you some information that's kind of fun. Right. Uh, uh, how do you, what gives you the idea? That would be the question. What gives you the idea for a book? And what happens is somebody says something. For example, my, uh, uh, my, ch- my grandchildren, okay, 
uh, one day said, you know, dear, yeah, uh, Papa, you ought to write about a butterfly, uh, who, who, a caterpillar who can't become a butterfly. And they became that. I went fishing one day, and I took my grandchildren fishing. And all the and and when you're deep sea fishing, you could, you fish with little anchovies or sardines at the end of a hook. Mm-hmm. And everybody was pulling up when when their hooks came up. They the, half the hook was uh, the hook was still there, but half the sardine was was eaten by the fish down below. Okay, and we couldn't get any fish up. All we got was half the sardine yeah. with a hook. And at that moment, I said, you know what? There's got to be somebody down there who's in charge of all these other fish telling them, now, now, don't go, don't start biting the top of that because you'll end uh-huh. up being hooked, right? So, uh-huh. that's what, so I, wrote of, of, uh, I wrote about Fluky, the fish who couldn't be caught, and she runs a school down below. Now, Perky the pig, who doesn't like to be dirty, tells a story about a pig uh, who tells the other pigs to get out of the mud or you'll end up as a rasher of bacon or somebody. And uh-huh. they, they stay clean and stay healthy so that all of us can grow up healthy and be able to enjoy the good things that life has to offer. I had, uh, I had a friend of mine who rescued horses. And she, she, she had a horse named Harry Potter, uh, but that's what she called Harry. But Harry, she said, Harry had no hope. And I, what do you mean? Well, she was attacked by a mountain lion and almost died. And I rescued her and rehabilitated her. And I said, oh, my gosh, what a wonderful idea. Harry the horse with no hope. And that's how I wrote Harry the horse. Uh-huh. I mean, my publicist is a uh, a man that you know. His name is Erwin Zucker. Mm-hmm. And Erwin Zucker and I and I belong to the Southern California Publicist Publicist Association. Uh-huh. And he told me one time, he says, George, when I was a young kid, they called me Zucky the Zebra. Mm-hmm. I said, oh. So then I said, well, I'm, I have a good idea. How about Zucky, the zebra who lost his stripes? And so this is a story about a, 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 a little a zebra who gets caught in the mud, a, a, a river of mud, and it hardens on the, on, the, on the zebra, and she becomes a horse because you can't see the stripes anymore, and she hangs out with horses until she, later on in the story she, becomes, she comes back to become a zebra. And but the, the all the other stories like Softy the bird who can't fly, this Softy ends up uh, can't fly, falls out of the nest, and they finally put her in a flying school, and she flunks out of out of a flying school, and then she ends up again on her parents' back singing because she had a beautiful voice, so she sings for the other animals in the jungle. And um, so all my stories about all my animals, whether they're, uh, they're, they're fish or the lion who couldn't roar or Kathy the cow couldn't moo, but although Kathy couldn't moo, she had the sweetest milk. And they, and they took her to the fair and she won the, the grand prize for the best, the sweetest milk. The, the point of all this, which is what you do for a living, is even though we have what we may call a disability, although we can't do one thing, we we dig down deep into ourselves and we have other assets 
that we can call upon that then circumvent the 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 initial thing of barking or or meowing or any of these things that you would expect an animal to do, these animals end up doing other things and finding a way to find a happier life because these other assets are being called upon. And that's what I love more than anything is, is, is people, amazing athletes, amazing people in, in our world who have overcome their disabilities and they become superstars in other ways. Yes. You know, as you're talking, it strikes me that and now that there are 15, there are, uh, well, 12 of them, are you still writing the children's books? No, I haven't written any uh, children's books recently. Um, uh, frankly, oh. I have been doing some other things. Okay. Well, it, it, but you have 12 of them, which is uh, a Yeah, big... 12 of those, and then, of course, I have... A loving book, which I wrote. Um, but wait, wait! Before we go to the loving, <laughs> yeah. I just want to tell you, make a suggestion that okay. um, these books, the twelve, you know, that's a lot. Um, this would make such a great uh, thing to have in classrooms where there are, and you know, of course, this is an unfortunately growing problem of disabled children. Um, this would be so, every classroom, well, every classroom should have it, but especially classrooms where there are children with various disabilities, to give them the hope and the idea that, you know, okay, there's one thing that you can't do, or certain things you can't do, but you, but you can find this other talent. I mean, that's a very strong, so many of these books with this theme would make a very powerful impact on kids. Well, they would, uh, and uh, here again, what I haven't haven't told you is, <laughs> I would love to find a manager, somebody who was in the publishing business at one point. I don't want to make any money on my books. I'll be, I'll be glad to donate all the monies that I ever make to children's hospitals, or cancer hospitals. Uh, I'll pay for the printing. I'll do all the writing, and that's that that that's one of my goals is to do that. But the the children's books themselves, uh, you asked me whether I was going to write any more. Well, wait, wait, I had wait. One other I'm that's so on sorry to interrupt you, but you heard the music, right? And you know this, you know how awkward it is to have to tell a guest, well, wait, we're going to have to take a break. So it is awkward, but I do need to ask you that. My guest is George Green. He is amazing, as you are able to tell, certainly by now. Um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I know we want to get right back to hear more of what George has to say, so stay tuned. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the Terrorism Hotline. 
And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman here with the great George Green talking about uh, how, what you, how to make life even better once you're out of the spotlight. And um, I will give you his website again, and I'll give it to you at the end of the show as well. It's www.georgegreen.net.net. All right, so George, now I know you wanted to talk about loving, and that's always a good thing to talk about, and that just happens to be uh, the name of one of your books, I Love Loving You. So go ahead. Well, uh, I was married for 42 years to a wonderful person, and I'm living with somebody who is another uh, after uh, Mim died. But uh, So I dedicated this book, I Love Loving You, uh, to both both of these two women in my life. And the part of me that I didn't know, uh, well, I knew I was always a romantic, but I didn't know that I could write it. And so uh, I love the way you accept me for who I am and what I am. I mean, I don't want to bore you with this love. Well, uh, no, stuff, go ahead. But, I know what you're reading. Go ahead. You can read but, it. But I love the way your eyes twinkle when you smile at me, and I love thinking how lucky we are to have found each other. And then another page... I love seeing you after missing you. I love your sense of humor. You make me giggle. I love thinking about tomorrow because I know you will be with me. And the next page, I love you because you're always ready to do the things I like to do. And I love when you laugh at my jokes when I'm not sure the jokes are funny. And I love staring at you when you're drinking a glass of wine. I love the way you kissed me the first time we met. That started it all. And I love going to sleep thinking and dreaming about you. I love seeing you happy when you see me. And this goes on and on. It's a little small book that's well illustrated. And, and just my thinking about what love is and what it is to be in love. And these are great feelings that I had the pleasure of expressing in a short little book called I Love Loving You. Well, yes, and one of the pictures that I see on your website connected with it are two horses uh, with their heads touching in a, yes. a cozy kind of way, loving kind of way. Um, so I guess that's one of the examples. You know, when you when you were saying it just now, it sounded so sincere. Like obviously, this was from somebody. You know, the person. You're not just writing a book. It's like 
you know, you can tell that these were things that you really did feel about. Oh, every person. word. Every, yeah. every word. It was uh, my late wife and my current uh, significant other. Uh, they're amazing people. To be able to to be able to put up with a double uh, A AA or triple A personality at times, mm-hmm. um, and uh, because I'm a goer, a doer, even at this age, I love going. I love life, and I love traveling a little bit uh, or a lot. And I like looking at my trees. I live up here in Lake Arrowhead, and I'm staring at the water right now. I'm very blessed. Um, and I see people in boats and sailboats and stuff, and and I say, oh, my God, it's so wonderful to be alive. It's wonderful to love life, and it's wonderful to be healthy and all of it. I mean, there's so much for us uh, that, you know, um, not everybody can feel that way, but we should all strive, uh, strive towards towards being more positive about ourselves and our world. Yes. Now, we might as well talk about, there's one book we haven't talked about yet, uh, one of your adult books, um, called Reflections. Oh. Well, that is, <clears throat> that was the first one, that's one of my older ones. The uh, illustrator is uh, a very well-known illustrator, today's illustration world, Teddy Newton, and I was on an airplane, and I started thinking about, and I just left KBC, and I, I was doing some sales seminars uh, back there, and I was looking out the window, and I was reflecting on my life and the cover of this, because I realized that when I die, I won't be taking with me, and on the cover is this little guy that's pulling up two bags of cash into heaven. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's the saying of the book. But mm-hmm. then I was very serious about all the things. It's a, a series of philosophical observations that I, that I had as I get older. I, I know for sure that forgetting people's names is not a disease that only I possess. You know, as I get older, I become more spiritual because of my concern that there may be a hereafter. I realize that when I die, I won't be taking with me. And I, as I get older, I appreciate all the things that I've done in my life. And I'm much, and I'm more appreciative of my accomplishments. And I wish that as I get older, I wish that people could be older and wiser first and then younger and stronger later mm. in life. And that way we would appreciate all the years of getting older and wiser. Yes, yes. And then the last one, because uh, I don't want to go through the whole book, I think about the many people whose toes I have stepped on without trying to do so. And the picture there, the cartoon there, the illustrator is a guy stepping on this lady as he's dancing with her. And uh, the the cartoons are, are are very funny. And I was very serious when I wrote this. And then my daughter's friend, uh, Teddy Newton, d- didn't didn't take it as seriously as I did, so he made funny cartoons uh-huh. out of my reflections as I get older. <laughs> you know, um, you know, you're such a consummate salesperson, and I guess <laughs> and marketer, or maybe maybe sales different than. But I keep thinking of all these places, like the I love loving you would be good. For especially good on Valentine's Day, of course, and then the reflections as I get older, um, I could see that as going around to different um, 
well, colleges for that matter, but I was thinking of like senior living places, um, you know, where people would appreciate some of the things that you were just talking about, for example. Well, anybody could appreciate it. Yeah, I could make a great offer to you. You what? Now, nobody's, nobody that I think of has ever offered you the following, Carol. Yes, yeah, yes. I've never met you, although I'm looking at a very beautiful lady on this uh, one sheet that I'm looking at. Uh-huh. But um, how would you like to be my manager? <laughs> you, could, uh, you could have a side, a side thing. You could be my manager. I'll be glad to pay you 15% commission. And, uh, and, and then any monies that I make or Ken Levine makes, they can keep that. And then, as I told you, my <laughs> proceeds, I don't want a penny. I'll donate it to children's. If they, people buy these books, I'll just donate the money to a children's cancer hospital. Well, we can, uh, we can definitely have lunch and talk about this, but it's just an honor that you're even suggesting it. <laughs> well, because you're so good at what you do and you're so... <laughs> You're so insightful. That's that's your business. You just look into my head and you know what should be done and you <laughs> motivate people and that's part of what you do so well. And I'm stoked. <laughs> well, it's just that these, I, I mean, these books, I, I just seem um, so, they're written obviously from the heart and from, from a lot of experience, personal experience of yours. And it just seems like um, more people should be having the benefit of reading them. So let me start what with my What I want to do when we get off the air, mm-hmm. uh, I need your address because I want to send you all 15 books. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> okay. All right. In the meantime, I want to, again, talk about wanting more people to read your books. I hope all of my listeners, I hope all of you out there are, you know, have been inspired by one or more of these things just like I um, and if you have children, of course, these children's books are amazing, and, they, and your children don't have to have disabilities. They just have to have, you know, everybody has things that they can do super well and things that they can do less well. So it really fits for any, any child who can relate to these uh, animals. And Absolutely. then, of course, the adult ones as well, um, you know, that certainly can fit. I'm sure people are identifying with them. So let me remind you again of where, well, all of these books are on Amazon for one thing, but you can also go to George Green's website, which I will tell you again is www.georgegreen.net, georgegreen.net. Okay, so just remember the net. And then that will take you into Amazon, and then you can can buy those books if you want, and... um, it's nice to have you do what you do so well. So thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, George Green, and uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Um, you, know, you know, talking about, uh, about being out of the spotlight, it's not just a, um, you know, it's wonderful that you have done all these amazing things after KABC, but um, it's also, you know, it, it wasn't just a selfish thing that you sat home and, <laughs> I can't imagine you sitting home and eating bonbons anyway, but, um, but this is a very generous thing to try to share your wisdom with everyone else in these books. So thank you again, George Green, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.